topless computer. Okay. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Can you hear me okay, Samantha? I can hear you just fine, thank you. Excellent. Okay, so I'm really glad to have you here today. Um, for those of you who do know who you are, I would not probably need to introduce you myself, so I'll pass it over to you for you to give yourself a little introduction. Okay, hi everyone. I'm Samantha Gadsden. I'm a doula, a birth activist. I run numerous Facebook groups, um, the Home Birth Support Group UK, the Free Birth and Emergency Childbirth Support Group UK, and the village are the main ones and then a whole series of subduing groups and social services support groups and various other things that you don't really need to know about unless you want them um yeah so i do birth education antenatal birth support i'm a hypnobirthing teacher although i don't tend to teach it um what else do i do birth doodling postnatal doodling but not a lot of postnatal doodling since covid and just anything that people need me to be. Rent a friend. One of my clients calls me rent a friend. <laughs> Samantha, your, your support is immense. I'm actually fortunate enough to be on your home birth and free birth and the village groups on Facebook. Highly recommend them. They are amazing support systems for people and all are welcome. It's so inclusive. It's so friendly. It's, it's just like a font of knowledge. Lots of people can come and share there's so much respect. You are there always guiding and supporting everyone like a structure. You're always there like a rock. And it's it's so lovely to see. It really is. You put a lot of effort into that and it's not to be underestimated. Um, that being said, you know, I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about your th this effort that you provide, this service, this kind of role that you have. You give and you give. And I see it. And I'm sure not the only one who sees it. Um, but, you know, it's been going on for a long time. You've been providing this service for how many years now? Uh, I've been a doula for nine years, but much like you from our other conversations, I was doulaing before I knew what a doula was. Yes. Yeah, Excellent. if that makes sense. Yes, indeed. So you've obviously been helping people in different ways um, for, for a long time now. So as a doula of nine years, um, with much, more experience than me and you've been you know like you said you came from a small a small space and you are you are pretty well known now um and you stand as you say you're a birth activist you stand for a lot so what do you see in this, in this is there a difference over the last nine years for example in the doula world the massive growth of social media is a huge huge i mean in the last two years particularly that has changed you know, social media was big pre-COVID, but since COVID, the, the explosion of social media is something that I've really, really noticed. Um, and also when I first started doing, I feel like it was a much more friendly environment and there was a lot more support from other birth. And I still get a lot of support from birth workers, don't get me wrong, but now there's a lot more policing and tone policing and thought policing and watching of, you know, and, and that kind of feeling that other people are waiting for you to slip up so that they can jump on top of you rather than seeing how hard you're working and that if you make the occasional slip up, it's not because you're this wicked evil person who needs to be brought down, but because you're working so hard that sometimes things might come out the wrong way or, or whatever. Um, and that's something that I've kind of worked through. So I've been in it and come out of worrying about it, if that makes sense. But that is what I've noticed is the biggest change um, is the explosion of online, hugely. Okay. And the demand for birth workers. So the demand for doulas 
and the demand for our work is growing you know and there is plenty of work for everybody absolutely and this was something you know we were fortunate enough to have our our previous podcast with yeah. becky becky scott which was amazing the birth activist um and something i wanted to say and you've just you've just made me remember it and it was that she had spoken about people getting what like from the universe she spoke of it from of it from a spiritual perspective that the universe you know you get what's coming to you it's yours and we have a similar um expression in 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 islam in arabic language is the word risk r-i-s-q in english alphabet and it means like your risk is written it means that everything you're going to get is destined for you you can't change your risk you can't change that it's what from the minute you're born it's like laid out for you your qadr your destiny is laid out and all your risk is like pre-written and there's nothing you can do about it and everybody gets their risk so this idea of competition or you know grappling grabbing trying to get you're trying to get there's no need for it really because at the end of the day you'll get your risk i'll get my risk she'll get her risk um I really think it was interesting what you said about how there's there's this policing. Where does the policing come from? Other birth What's... workers, mostly other birth workers. Okay. And then the expectation that I get involved in policing other birth workers. So lots of people expect me to have an opinion or make a statement or but I don't. And I don't because I am so busy helping people, genuinely helping people. And the public front facing of what I do is nothing compared to the back end. People think I'm busy in group. Yeah, they should see what goes on behind the scenes. Um, and I am too busy helping those people to, I don't agree with cancel culture. I've made quite a lot of different comments on that. I think that people, if they are acting inappropriately, that will just reflect in their following or who hires them or anything else. I don't agree um, with that kind of, people have tried to do it to me. I don't like online bullying um, and, you know, people, oh, well, I'm not bullying. I'm just trying to correct them or however you want to call it. I don't like it when it happens to me and I'm not prepared to do it to other people. Even if I think I'm wrong, it doesn't, if I think they're wrong, it doesn't mean I agree with them. It doesn't mean I concur with what they're saying. It just means I'm not going to become a weird in the cog of piling on other people because I think, you know, if you're acting improperly, people will stop following you. People will stop looking at your pages. People will stop buying your stuff without, with or without us, like all piling on. And what I feel, it's interesting the path this is going down because I don't talk about this a lot. But what I feel is like when people, oh, well, you should make a statement on that. When I join in with bullying other people or correcting other people, you will never hear me speaking about other birth workers negatively in public, ever. I would be, you know, I'm not saying I don't slip up, but it's a deliberate policy of mine not to. Because when I do things like that, then I'm selling my soul. And given that basically as a doula, I feel like we're selling ourselves, right? People are hiring our personalities. If I start giving away pieces of me that aren't what sits within me or what I'm comfortable with, then, then who am I? I have to stand to my own integrity. Radical self-responsibility, one of my mentees said it's called. I'm responsible yeah. to myself. Um, and that kind of expectation of other birth workers that you're going to join in this sort of mass pylon, which I don't don't like, yeah. you know, at all. It's not who I am and it's not what I'm going to do. And then when you don't, you start getting criticised. Or if you make a small slip up, are the other birth workers jumping on you? Or you, you know, you said this, well, maybe... But how many, you know, did, did I make that in 10,000 comments? Did I make something that might have been accidentally wrong because I was typing too fast? Or misperceived or misconceived yeah. at that time. And nothing yeah. hit to me. And um, I did an interview with a journalist. And as it happened, 
the interview never went into publication but I gave I, I you know we did like an hour chat and she summarized it and she summarized it in a way that I wouldn't have used yeah it wasn't my wording she just I don't think it was deliberate she just pulled an hour's chat into a few quotes and it just came out wrong and instead of me knowing that that's what had happened I literally spent a whole night terrified that she was going to put it out into the press like that and that I was going to end up with loads of hate mail and emails and stuff because it wasn't inclusive it wasn't this it wasn't that but it wasn't my words and that fear and that honestly I was sweating it of mm -hmm. oh I might have you know that's going to go out like that instead of you know being able to think oh you know I'll get hold of it hopefully I'll correct it but if it doesn't people will know that wasn't me because people are so quick to jump on you not saying the right thing even when you did <laughs> if that makes sense yes absolutely I think that sometimes redundancy can help just not saying it um, is better than saying something that, they can, that could possibly mis could be misconstrued and taken, you know, for a ride down the wrong path. So sometimes just saying nothing, I find personally um, to be on the safe side, as it were, I just just don't use certain things. I don't say certain things. Um, you probably, you know, looked at my profile. I try to be as careful as possible about how I portray I'm not just representing Amy I'm representing Islam I'm representing Muslim women across the board so if I make a mistake the Muslim community can equally come on to me and say hold on a minute you've just said this in the name of Islam you're standing Islamically but you're not being Islamic I can also you know all of us are responsible for our own little organization in ourselves. you know we're repping something and it's daunting out there because particularly on the doula scene I'm very new to it what you're saying resonates with me because I can actually, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that perspective of coming out there and thinking, I can't, I want to say this, but how am I going to say it? So it doesn't sound, and I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of, as you can see with the activism sort of side of me, I don't, I don't think it helps to kind of fluff stuff up. I think it's good to be clear and real. I really do. From my perspective, I can't say it like it's not. It's got to be like it is or don't say it at all. And there's lots of things that I probably haven't said, but it's in the pipeline. Um, and everything has its right time. Everything is like, you know, timed. There is timing and it's not my timing. It's like I believe in Allah. It's, it's like divine timing. So I have to just be patient and wait for the right time and let everything unfold. And I, this is one of the things I love about my way of life personally, is that there'll be things that happen and it's like, oh, you know, that happened just at the right time. And I love, I live by that, that kind of coincidental timing of stuff, which a lot of people, regardless of religion, can relate to. And I love that. Um, and that's one of my kind of codes of codes of life, as it were. I did learn something from um, one of my, uh, from one of my trainers, mentors, you know, guides in the doula world, which was lovely. And it, it's very similar to what you just said about um, radical being. What did you say? Being radical self-responsibility. Lovely. Radical self-responsibility. Self Beautiful. And I, I learned something a little bit similar, which is confidence in confidentiality. Yes. And this idea that we have to give, we have to... Um, emit this this confidence in our confidentiality so that people will trust us because we are holding so much we're holders in a way aren't we we're like we're holding those those people 
who are going to trust us. And it's not just obviously, you know, it's the, it's the mother, it's the birthing woman, it's the baby that's coming into the world, it's the space. And it, and it is going to be the partner, it is going to be whoever they have with them, because we're also, they have to trust us too. Um, and it's such a huge responsibility. So radical self-responsibility and confidence in confidentiality is like a conduct, isn't it? And I think what you were telling me about earlier when we were talking is this, as you get further into life in general and the birth world, you get, you, you kind of, you grow, don't you? You grow into this um, being which is able to, and this is what I admire you for, and you wouldn't know because I haven't told you and you may not know these things, but I look at you and think, you know, she is, I would like to see myself like, like you are, you are your own person, you stand up on your own. And that's how I kind of see myself. There are a lot of groups, there are a lot of um, pockets, niches, cliques, you know, divisions, subdivisions, I found everywhere in life. Um, But I really like it when we can find common ground, regardless of where we're coming from, that common ground is so lovely. My dad gave me a book, when I was little, I was bullied at school for being different. Um, and the book was called, he didn't know how to talk to me. He didn't know how to say that he understood how I felt. He was a, a little bit emotionally dry, <laughs> my mum would probably say, but um, he's much better now, but he was a bit, a bit you know, awkward. So he bought me this book and he worked for Oxford University Press. So I was a big bookworm and he'd always get me books, but this one was a special one. I still have it. And it was called On Common Ground. And it was a book of poems and prose and thoughts of um, eclectic children's um, put together, you know, put together in a book. And it was so beautiful because I really, it was where I would quietly read before I went to sleep or on my own. And I felt like, oh, I've got, this is, this is right. This is where I fit in. Um, my dad understands me he's got me this this book is all about people who have this this understanding when they don't fit like raggy dolls do you remember raggy dolls yeah you know I'm a raggy doll (laughs) and I'm quite happy to be a raggy doll um because that's the way I was made and I wouldn't change the way I was made for anything but I do feel that bullying is is a huge aspect of our society and our life and it's something you don't expect to still happen when you're 30 odd, 40 odd, 50, 50 odd, odd, you know, when you get to the point in life, when you are technically an adult, you don't expect it, but it does happen. People lose their rag. People say things, people offend without knowing they've done it. They're hurtful. A lot of it is projection, admittedly. Um, and when we're in a position to be able to say, oh, they only did that to me because they're feeling this because they've got that. I mean, that's all good and well. But it can still hurt, can't it? Of course it hurts. And I try to pretend it doesn't hurt, right? And I try to pretend that being the centre of a mum's net thread that was slacking me off left, right and centre didn't hurt. Of course it hurt. Of course I was triggered. Of course it needled me. And then I get messages going, well, you need to stop acting like that and you need to stop doing this and you need to stop doing that. And I'm like, I'll do whatever I like because I'm allowed to be triggered and I'm allowed to be wound up. And if somebody was talking about you like that, you'd probably be wound up as well, you know? And that kind of passive aggressive, there was this thing and it was passive aggressive. Oh, it's not about you. You've made it about you. Of course it was about me. It was really identifying. It doesn't matter if you put my name on it. Everybody who was on that thread, that's how I knew about it. I don't use mum's net. Somebody went, oh my God, you need to read all the things they're saying about you and sent it to me. Yeah. You know, and that expectation that people have of me 
that I'm not going to get triggered and I'm not going to get pushed and I'm not going to get needles. Well, I'm human, like everybody else is human. And I've had quite a, a long traumatic life. I'm a survivor of a 13 year domestic violence relationship. There's lots of things that, you know, sometimes push my buttons, but also drive my work. So yeah, I'm human. And it would be nice to be able to be online. And yes, I slip up. I, I lose it sometimes and not have that feeling afterwards of thinking, right, I can go in and I will apologise. I own it if I mess up. Yeah. And not have that feeling that that's going to lead to somebody trying to come along and annihilate you afterwards and go, oh, actually, look how much hard work she's doing. Let's cut her some slack. So Yes. And, and also the fact that, you know, when those kinds of things happen, it's a destruction of reputation. So, you know, essentially people just want to destroy a reputation. And, and, it and will... why? What I've started asking people is this, are you, if you do what you're trying to do, which is to cancel me off of the bills world, are you, and don't get me wrong, I get thousands of nice messages. The nice messages way outweigh, when I say thousands, I mean thousands. If I was to go through my emails and my inbox and my, yeah, there are thousands of messages in there of people I've helped. What I wanna to say to these people when they message me nasty messages, and mostly I just move them to spam now, to be honest, um, is are you, going to admin my home birth group of 10,000 members are you going to come into the village and take on the very difficult task of adminning four and a half thousand very diverse people yeah are you going to deal with these women who've been referred to social services some of whom have had their babies removed are you going to step into my shoes and do the work that I do because what you're actually trying to do is take support away from people who mostly I support for free the paid that's side of my work is the much smaller part of what I do. Um, and a lot of what I do is, is free. You know, I've got my donate link. My donate link has plummeted, absolutely, because people are in such financial situations now that some people who are giving £2 a month haven't got it. Haven't got £2 a month. Yeah, so I'm seeing my income is doing this. I've stopped going to birth because I'm so busy online supporting people who need support and can't afford it. Yeah, that the most lucrative part of my business is at the moment on a sort of hold because yeah, people yeah. need support and, and agency support just isn't there. Mm. And I'm just one person. And a lot of what I do is signposting. It is, have you tried this agency? It is, but it is also being that person that people feel is familiar who they will send a message to asking for help that they won't send to anyone else because they recognize my face and they trust me. Right. They trust. Exactly. Keyword, trust. The trust. Oh. And that's what that's who you are, Sam. You are a trusted person. That's why, you know, there's always going to be, you know, Islam, we believe in good and bad. There's always going to be an evil force that will come to, to destroy anything that's doing something good. And the fact that we are supposed to be trusting the trusts, you know, we can't trust the trusts. Where do we trust? And you are a font of knowledge. You're a font of knowledge. You, every, every single question that's asked, you can provide an answer. And some of that is being 51, okay, not being 25. So I have had a, a longer life than a lot of other people in the birth world. And that comes with a longer experience, if that makes sense. And some yeah. of it, I wish I didn't know about. I'd love to not know about social services and some of the stuff that they do. I'd love to not be so well-versed in domestic abuse. I'd love to not know the women who've experienced after jam are sometimes reported to social services and seen as a risk to their children because of something that was done to them. You know, I would love to not know all of this stuff, but I do know all of this stuff. And because I know all of this stuff, I feel that I'm going to say an obligation, but I'm not sure if that's the right word because I could just walk away tomorrow. But because I know it, I want to share it. I want other people to benefit from 
I like to think, I don't like to think that everything happens for a reason. People will have heard me say this before who follow me. I like to think we can give reason to what's happened. Okay, yeah. so I don't think there was a reason that I spent 13 years in a domestic abuse relationship, but I do think that I've taken the knowledge that I got from that and used it to help other people. So I've given it a reason, I've given it a purpose, if you like. So what's the point in going through all this stuff if you can't then help other people with it, whoever they are, yeah? And, and wherever they come from. And you touched upon spirituality, that's really important to me. You know, yeah. my own spirituality and faith practices and other people's. I live it, that's, as Amy knows from the podcast we just recorded, that's what I first was attracted to Amy about her use of her faith in her work, because I find that very beautiful. It doesn't matter that we come from a different path. The sacredness of pregnancy and birth is there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm just ranting on a little bit there about stuff. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's the human, human element, isn't it, that's consistent. It doesn't take away, does it? And I uh, do think as birth workers, we can be firm and we can be strong and we can be passionate. You know, I talk about a lot of stuff that people don't talk about, um, but we should be kind to each other. Like, it's not hard. To be yes, kind. Yeah. Absolutely. It's part of our self-care, I think. I think that's where we should be nourishing each other, one another, instead of, you know, battling each other down, which yeah. is not our I think it's the design of what's happened in society. Like you were saying, you know, the, the recession, the lack of income in the families, people are turning to alternative methods of income. And yeah. sometimes this desperation comes across people to to get money and it will be on the back of lots of different things I mean, obviously you know it, it's a very hard time for everyone it really is but I think that if we can nurture each other's needs and do this you know provide self-care support for each other it's really important um communities sub-communities are really important so the village you know the home birth and free birth groups they are absolutely flooded with messages and comments which are not actually sometimes even related they're off topic but it's just people are coming and saying oh, I don't know where to go to with this and they're coming there and it's welcomed and there's lots of responses but then of course it, it's not without responsibility because that all has to be kind of what's the word when you have to kind of um check it almost you know that there, there may be comments that are made um, you have to be quite careful because there's different characters. I mean, it's it's not easy. Like you say, if anybody wants to say anything about anything, try and do that for a day because it's actually yeah. really hard. They are a Ill. massive, massive, massive responsibility. The home birth group is mine. I have no other admin. And I think there's about 13 admin on there, but it's like me, my husband does my backup accounts. I've got my own backup accounts in case Facebook pulls my accounts and, you know, some of my pages. And people say, well, you should put in other admin. Why should I put in other admin? I've poured my heart and soul and my life into that group for the last two years. Why should I just put somebody else in? And also, if I do put in other admin, I will be held responsible for the, whatever they do. So I yes, will still yeah. be responsible for them. So then I'll be admin in the other admin. The village That's has awesome. got other admin, which is my friend Jenny and colleagues. She's another doula and Jet and Katie. But also, to be honest, the group, the village is mostly me as well. Um, I do have them that I can turn to. I am going on holiday next week and I am racking my brains. My mother's coming and she said to me, you're not bringing your laptop, are you? And I'm like, <laughs> of course I'm bringing my laptop. And my mother says, well, it's not going to be much of a holiday then, is it? I'm thinking she's right. I really should leave my laptop at home. 
But then the other part of me is going, because I know what happens in that group if I'm not there to keep an eye on it, which is everybody fights each other, right? It's It runs smoothly because I'm there. And then yeah. the other half of me is thinking, well, how can I just turn off to the groups for a week? Yeah, how can I just leave them for a week? I've arranged over the summer, one of the independent midwives is going to help because I'm going to somewhere where I don't want to be online. Um, and I'm paying some, and now don't get me wrong, she offered to do it for free, but I don't want to give her that responsibility without compensating her. She would happily do it for free. I'm paying somebody to look after the home birth group when I'm away. Yeah. Yeah. So there's much more responsibility in running these groups. And I am responsible. And if people are hurt or if people are triggered or if people are angry, they message me. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. nice messages, sometimes messages of support. And sometimes, to be quite honest with you, A4 pages of absolute ranting at me. And I think, and you know, I've started being quite open about what I feel like saying, which is, are you paying me? Are you paying me to read your three A4 page rant that you've just sent me that you expect me to read and respond to? And invariably the answer is no, right? Because somebody messaging you a three page rant isn't paying you. Um, and, and quite a lot of the people who send me rantings are people I've supported for free as well. So you've got that whole kind of I've been supporting you for free and now I've fallen off the pedestal that you put me on that I didn't ask you to put me on. I don't want to be on anyone's pedestal because I'm just human, you know, and, and they feel like I, I put a post out the other day. I don't know if you saw it and it said you don't own my soul or just because you sponsored me, you don't know however I said it. And sometimes yeah, I've seen I, it. I saw it. Yeah. I feel like people think they own a piece of me, you know, mm. and I don't. I own me, like I said earlier. Um, and it is, it is, don't get me wrong, I'm sounding quite nice. I love running those groups. If I didn't love running them, I wouldn't run them, believe me. You know, when I fall asleep at night with my phone in my hand at one o'clock in the morning answering questions. Yes, yes. I love it, not because I don't, but there are parts of it that are really difficult. And I'm beginning to be a lot more open about what's difficult about running them. Um, because I, I would like people to know how much work and how much effort and how much responsibility that they are, you know? Yes. Because and it's nice to have somebody new who actually realizes that and hasn't yeah. landed in this what looks like a really well-established, well-held space. And you've 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 come into them, you've paid to join them, which I really very much appreciated because lots of people don't want to pay. You know, I get messages saying, Why should I pay you to join the Facebook group? And I'm like, Well, because you're asking if you can join. Yeah. You know, and I don't exclude on finances. So I let people into my groups for free. If they just message me and say, I can't afford it. And I don't ask questions. I wear contrast. You know, I just say join. Um, you know, but they are, and it's nice that you came along and you saw what happens without me having to explain it to you. It was no, really I wouldn't. Good. I wouldn't have questioned it. And you know, it's a couple of things when what you said has has made me think of um, when you give your hand, people take your whole arm. Yeah. You know, and there's so much an emp an empath. Um, yeah can go through and these boundaries that we need to set for ourselves primarily um I'm still learning but I have definitely I had to kind of hone in and then start to put boundaries because I used to feel way too much yeah. and at the abundance I also have you know the idea that there is abundance and giving is abundance so whatever you give you're not losing it's a contribution it's an offering and it's an exchange and I would never think to not give. And I, I have this way about me that I can't barter, I can't bargain, I can't do anything. It makes me come things. out in a cold sweat bartering. So, you know, can't like, do it. 
we went to Egypt and we were expected to barter. And I'm you have to. I can't do it. I know. I can't I know. Do it. I'm shrinking into myself. Actually, Egypt is the one country I've been, not all over the world, but I've been to quite a few different places, but Egypt is the one place I couldn't cope with because of that expect to everywhere you went, you were expected. Yeah. And they, they almost looked offended that you weren't bartering. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, oh, oh. And I said to my husband, I'm never going back to Egypt. And he was like, why? And I was like, I can't, I can't go. Yeah. I just yeah. want to go in a shop and buy something. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the price is that the price no it's not the price what do I do <laughs> uh, yeah what do I do now so yeah know. you know and I used to sell clothes at festivals actually and like oh, that's nice. the worst place to go if you don't like bartering because people expect to barter and they're trying to barter and I'm like no no don't barter <laughs> with me that's awful I don't like it that's like the price and even you know with my doula services if people message me about my actual paid work the first thing I check is that they see my prices on my website so I don't have to talk about money I'm like have you, have yes you yes so absolutely absolutely it took me a long time to think about what to do about that because um, I did a poll actually on my Instagram story saying prices on the website or not. And everyone said on the website. So the I website. put them on the website, but I'm so cringy about it. And I always try to make it affordable. And I think my too much, is it too much? Is it? But that's my, that's my time. That's my, it's very hard. I find gauging um, services value is very tricky. It's a very tricky one because your value changes, doesn't it? Your time becomes more precious, the more limited it is. Yes, and I have put my prices up considerably in lockdown and in part because I feel that those people who are affording to pay me are supporting me to support those people who can't. I've got a blog about it. It's, it's, I call it a search circle, a magic circle, basically. And I think mm -hmm. that's how it always would have been, that those people with money who could pay the village wise woman and then she was helping those people who couldn't pay her, but they would be paying her in thatch or eggs or a loaf of bread or you know, thanks. And, and as I say to people in my groups, you can thank me by sharing my stuff, by following me on Instagram, by putting my posts out there so that other people who can afford me see more of it. Because what I find with social media is it hides anything that involves money. So if I can put these posts out, like one of my most liked posts ever was a picture of me in a waterfall naked with my hair down so my hair is really long so it covers my bum so you could only really see because I was against grey rock in a waterfall it literally I just liked it. it looked like I'd become part of the rock yeah but that was one of the most liked posts I've ever had it was one of the biggest likings on you know and it was nothing to do with my work but it was because kind of try and encourage people to be comfortable with their bodies but at the same time then if I put a post out about anything that brings in money it gets seen by about 10 people and unfortunately the same 10 people so they feel like I'm nagging them whereas like <laughs> 15,000 people in my groups don't don't see those posts so that our ways to support and help is kind of like an energy exchange that don't involve money as well Absolutely. yeah and that that is really that circle so that that those groups that you've described they are a circle of support they were deliberately I like your tribal doula that you know I'm trying to bring back in that that idea yeah. that we all each other in whatever community. way that we can in community and in COVID that was to that became really important you know the village was a lifeline for so many people and it's a lifeline now for women involved still is. yeah still is I can see that it really is clear and wrapped up with social services and women who have had their children removed we have some in group who have felt a lot of shame and stigma in other places it's the ultimate in stigma have your baby removed by social services, everybody thinks you've done something wrong. Yeah, so I wanted a place where those women, of all those women, 
felt safe. Absolutely. And that's why I'm so outspoken about it. Um, mm-hmm. Because they are, you know, somebody messaged me the other day and asked me if I could give them a signpost for a woman who was about to have her baby removed. And the fact is, there is no charity that supports women who have their baby removed nationally, because quite frankly, nobody hears enough about them. They are, mm-hmm. they are the, the, not that I see it this way, but they are the dregs of society, if you like. They're the one last place that everybody still thinks is tainted and contagious. And, you know, and some of these women have done nothing wrong. Or, you know, they have mental, emotional health issues, I like to think of it as, rather than mental health or a history of abuse. Or if they've been properly supported, no woman sets out to deliberately harm a child, ever. Yeah, um, and, and social services in itself has become a harmful and toxic organisation. So it kind of knocks on. So that's a, that of everything is dear to my heart. And those members are really important to me. The members that are scared to speak to anyone else about anything else because they feel judged. And that's why you see a lot more of it in the village, I think, because yeah. I, I'm vocal about my views on it. It's a really important space, even though it's just a little Facebook group. It really is. Yeah, definitely. And that, that you know, I can see that. And, and I'm sure it's valuable to a lot of people. Um, and the systematic abuse is it's not a joke. It's not to be taken lightly. There is systematic oh. abuse. Oh, they lied um, about me. We were, we were victims of serious, very serious crime. And I've talked about this on my um, on my business page, not what it was. I never talk about what it was in public and I never will. But we ended up, I, I made a complaint and I ended up with the chief executive of Newport County Council and the director of social services and the director of education because they should have given us support and they didn't. And the director of social services said to me, um, and Mrs. Gadsden, when we did the core assessment, you declined offers of support. And I said, well, can I just, oh yes, of course you can interrupt us, Mrs. Gadsden. And I said, have you looked at our file? And she said, oh no, I've been too busy. And I said, suggest you look at our file. And she said, we didn't do a core assessment, did we? And I said, you didn't do a core assessment. You didn't offer me support. And you didn't offer me support when you did the core assessment because you've never done one. Now, I know that families go to court and face this. Nobody believes them when they tell them that social workers are saying they offered support that they didn't. But my own experience is that's what happened to me as a white, educated, middle-class woman who lives in a four-bedroom detached house with a double drive, a front and back garden, and a good job, yeah? That's mm-hmm. how they treated us as a victim of crime. I was never investigated, and they treated us appallingly. So that gave me an insight into how they treat women who are less fortunate, who yes. aren't in my, exactly. I wasn't in because nobody wants to be a victim of crime, but they told lies, they made inaccurate statements. And, you know, I know that this happens and I've seen it over and over again then happen to other families. So I want to break the stigma. That's my passion, my absolute Absolutely. passion. Sorry. My next door neighbours. No, that's all right. I'm sorry. To, I'm just suddenly aware that my next door neighbours are making some really loud noises. So I was just, I can hear this noise. It's probably come through on the recording. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, um, no, yeah, it's it's shocking. It really is shocking. I've seen some of the lives that have been shared, actually. And um, it's, it's it's it gets me quite upset. I, I feel, you know, very upset about what happens. Something you did say, Samantha, though, before you go, before we go, um, was was beautiful. And that was about the giving. Um, in, you know, in Islam, I, it, you just reminded me that we have a similar structure, which is zakat. Um, it's called charity. It's a particular kind of charity that we give in Ramadan, actually. And it's uh, a percentage of your wealth. Every Muslim yeah. must give it. And it goes into a chest, bait a chest. And inside this chest, it's a treasure chest, essentially. It would be back in the day in the society, all the people who, you know, would give into that chest. And that money in that chest would provide for the poor. 
So there was no poverty. Yes. It was basically to keep an equilibrium so that there wasn't poverty. Yeah. <laughs> and Umar al-Khattab, radiallahu anhum, um, Umar al-Khattab, he was one of the um, Sahaba, one of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, peace and blessings be upon him. He actually invented the benefit system. He created the benefit system. So there is a video about it, which I will send you um, yes. later, because you'd like that, I think. And it will just tell you a little bit about it, but it's so beautiful. It's about a mother and how it all came about. Um, and perhaps I'll share the link in the bottom of the podcast so that people can see it too. And I think that's beautiful. And it's shared across, you know, I know Jehovah's Witnesses do the same. I know devout Jews do the same as well. Give that percentage of their earning to support the poor. Um, obviously, you've got the Hari Krishnas who are very active in, you know, I think, and, and this is links between all of the faiths. When you when you look at all of the faiths, there are common practices between so many, like, you know, as I say to you, right? So yeah. I think it's beautiful to find those links and see where we're all the same rather than where we're all different. Exactly creating that common ground um that's where we can that's where the love can be found um and as i said on my podcast that i recorded with amy earlier, i really like the way you explain all of the different phrases that you're using as well because i go and google them and i find your faith is so beautiful the language that i have googled is just so expressive and so loving and so kind I just love it i love going oh. off googling it all and finding the you know it's nice to know what because a lot of the group members drop these phrases into the into their day-to-day chat it's nice to know how people are speaking to each other and I find I'm learning a lot about Islam just from following what what people I think probably because it's an open space people are more open so you're, you're learning more just by creating the space where people can be themselves oh yeah I hope so it's lovely it's really nice when you have open open-hearted open-minded people because it just it just makes it just we bring we've got a lot more in common than we have than we yes, think so it's really have. lovely really lovely well, Samantha, I'm going to have to go because um, my husband has to go to work. <laughs> but thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And it's been an absolutely gorgeous afternoon spending the afternoon with you. I'm so glad to have finally met you and everything that you do. I'm, I'm there in the sidelines, always watching. And I, I support you. So thank you so much for everything you do for everybody. And the same for you, Amy. You are going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think. Here we go. I can't wait for your course that you haven't mentioned. I shall leave you go. She'll stop recording. I'm recording this for Amy because we were having a problem. And I will speak <laughs> to you soon. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. Bye. So much. Bye.